So when we're upgraded, we're more protected from having a knee-jerk reaction to them. Mm-hmm. But if we're not aware of our feelings and how they and the words they use are separate from me and who I am, then I might react. And then just it, it builds up more and more from there. And then we're in a fight. Welcome back to the Inglorious RBG. Today's episode, I just have like a few little life updates. Um, And then I'm going to get into it with my guest. Her name is Sherry Foos. She's a marriage and family therapist. And she runs a program called The Narrative Method. Um, And it's something that you can find on Instagram. And she'll talk about it later. Um, But I know I've been away for a little bit. My friends and I went to Las Vegas. And it was all of our first times. Um, my friends and I booked this in August and we didn't think it was going to happen when Omicron hit. We were all up in the air. Um, I would say basically a week before we had the trip booked, we just kind of decided who knows when like another variant will hit and we're not able to travel again. Um, people are traveling and some of the restrictions are, well now at least some of the restrictions are lifting. Back then it still was like a bit more, um, restrictive, but we did end up going and it was a blast. Honestly, the food, like even if you don't drink, if you don't want to go to the clubs, um, we're not we are not huge club people, but it was so fun. Every night we just kind of like had a crazy different experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, Vegas, I would I don't I wouldn't say I would ever want to live there. Um, I you know, the outskirts were nice. We also went to like Red Rock Canyon, which was absolutely beautiful, um, and also a really good hike. And Yeah, I would just recommend it to anyone um, who just wants to have a fun weekend with friends. I think it's, I get why people love it so much. Um, Also, we're not huge gamblers, but we all tried it. Play a little blackjack, which again was something I never thought I'd really like do or have the experience of doing just because it wasn't something I grew up with or um, really just wasn't interested in, but it was fun and I would totally play it again. Um, And I just had a really great weekend. So that was really nice. Um, Sad to be back, obviously, but it's been been a couple weeks. Um, I actually also had one of my close friends weddings and this was the first wedding of all of all of my friends and most of my friends have not been to a wedding of a friend yet so it was beautiful they were beautiful they're such a cute couple and it was so nice to just be with all of my friends again um really like you know all of us with their their significant others um and we just kind of danced and had fun and i feel like it's been so long since we've had a chance to do that like i don't think i can honestly remember the last time we were all just together um doing something like that um just at a big event or going out at all uh i feel like when I was in my master's, I didn't go out with my friends from home at all. So it was really nice to do that. And yeah, that's basically the highlights of what's been going on. Obviously, like in between them, there's been up and downs because that's just life. But um, I do have some recommendations before we get into this week's episode. I have been reading the book by John Boyne, who also wrote The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. This book is called The Heart's Invisible Furies. And it's about this boy um, who grows up. He goes to a private school. Um, he is gay, and he uh, at this it's during like the the sixties and prior to that, like the forties, the sixties, basically. Um, 
and he just is going through like periods of self-discovery but also having to hide his identity um and he is in love with his best friend um and it is really it's a really difficult story to to get into as like his story goes on it, i mean it's not just his story but his story his friend's story his life story his um his biological or sorry his adoptive mother's story just a lot of the things about it are very sad but i'm really i'm really into it like it's very um engaging and i recommend it as well and i have finally watched the movie licorice pizza it's i think it came out in december maybe november but i was dying to see it i never had the chance to i don't even think it was in theaters here maybe it was but at the time like everything was closing again so i never saw it but i finally watched it I paid the big bucks for it just to watch it in my house. And let me tell you, Alana Haim deserves an Oscar for this. She was so brilliant in this role. Um, I could honestly, I can't, like, I don't have enough words to say how great she was. She personified, like, a high school girl, you know, with, um, she had a crush, but, like, at first, like, oh, she didn't want to have a crush on this boy, and it was so cute, and he liked her, and he was younger, and she's all like, oh, stay away from me. But she did it in such, like, a perfect way for the era that it was. It was the 1970s, um, and the whole movie was just basically about them coming, like, a coming-of-age type of film. It was these kids growing up. They, you know, about stories of, like, falling in love and, like, first romances kind of thing. And honestly, like, they also incorporated, like, they were messing around kind of in what 70s Hollywood was. Um, and you can kind of, I don't know if you can picture, like, 70s Hollywood. There were some scandalous things um, going on and pretty intense scenes. Eh, not intense, just, like, cringy, but also um, what you might expect of the time. I don't want to ruin anything. But again, like, Alana was brilliant. Uh, Cooper, I think Cooper Hoffman, I think is his name. He was also great in his role. Um, Bradley Cooper's in the movie. Sean Penn. Definitely see this movie. It is It is just, I don't know, it just brings you back to a great time that you didn't live in. That was what it felt like for me. Um, and it was really cute. I wouldn't say it was like a hilarious movie. Like some people said it was a comedy. I didn't find it very, like it wasn't like I was outwardly laughing. That Maybe that's just not my exact type of humor. But it was really, it was just really well done. Um, and music... Honestly, I feel like I've been listening to like random songs and I'm kind of over just telling you songs unless I think they're like, you must listen to this. But I'll, I'll just tell you guys albums if it's necessary, okay? But um, I have a Vegas playlist that I have not stopped listening to. Um, on my Spotify, I just can't stop listening to it. Vegas has now been, I think, three weeks away, four weeks away, probably three weeks. And yeah, I just can't stop listening. It's all like pump up music, um, club music you know, dance club, like, I don't know, it just, it keeps me, I'm, it's keeping me happy, that's all I can say, um, yeah, so whenever I go to work, I listen to that playlist, um, so basically what I'm telling you is to make a playlist, whether it's electronic dance type of music, or, um, I don't know, if you like rap, if you like hip-hop, I listen to, like, hip-hop and this EDM type style mu music in the morning now, before work, and, Part of me is like sitting in the car like with my eyes closed listening to EDM and I'm like maybe this isn't the best idea. But it also gets me like in the mood to just be living. So what's wrong with that? I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's all my recommendations for this week. I'm really excited to just have this conversation with Sherry. It's going to be great. We're going to talk a bit about um, empathy, apologies, 
bigger concept things that are all about human connection. Um, so yeah, we're really going to be talking about how we can become closer to other people um, and how we can kind of take a step back from like our own ego, from our own insecurities um, and from our own, like, you know, from, from being defensive basically um, and try and listen to another person and take in other people's uh, views of the world and of themselves so that we can form better connections with one another. Sherry Foose is a marriage and family therapist. She's the creator of The Narrative Method, a nonprofit organization that addresses social isolation and the need for real connection through sharing stories. Sherry strives to bring people together and enhance human connectedness through her work, which is something that we wholeheartedly agree with on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, Sherry. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure you're joining all the way from California. So it's so nice to make this connection right over here. I know. Well, I'm a huge fan of Canada. Oh, great. Yeah, well, it's a longer story, but uh, I have a place in Vancouver and I I just I just think that um, what you guys know from the way that you are educated and brought up in a culture that is so sophisticated and, you know, you have news of the world all the time. I mean, every country that has news of the world all over the place is like duh (laughs) but you know for americans who waste money left and right um on everything but uh, people's needs it's just really moving to see the government on television all the time and just all that stuff i know you've got your own issues but really it's better (laughs) it's yeah Um, i'm sure that some people might disagree But um, we do. It's just the way that society is, right? Um, Tell us a bit about how your life experience has kind of led you to become a marriage and family therapist and how you got into creating the narrative method. Okay, well, um, the short version is I grew up in New Jersey in a dysfunctional family. And as a result of that, I had to learn coping skills, which of course you don't realize that they're coping skills at the time, but what you do realize very early on, regardless of your family dynamics, is that you're not good enough. And that's not because of your family or your peers or anyone that you know necessarily. It's from what I call in the narrative method, the cult of culture the constant onslaught of noise, even before the internet, we can't blame it on the internet. We still had advertising. We still had uh, television shows with sponsors and media and magazines. All of these messages uh, create too much information for us to sort out. But what is insidiously in all of it is you're not good enough. That's why you gotta buy this soap. Now, everybody can laugh at that because it's so obvious, and yet it hits us so constantly. Now it's become canceling. Now it's become war. I mean, whatever the messages are that have made us think we hate each other really need to be reversed. So the short end of it is I grew up with um, some real emotional challenges. And in the process of trying to work through them, I first became a performer and then I became a writer and then I became a therapist. And then I started um, a program at a university. uh, And then I started, um, I went back to school for another master's and I started the the, uh, narrative method. And so it's all about 
inviting diverse people to have conversations where we share the stories of our lives or we have writing groups and share the stories that we've written there. That simple human act connects us deeply and keeps us sane. Right. And it's such a small scale thing. Like, and even with how you started, you know, your career, you started in a smaller scale thing, you realize something in your fear, you know, you had perhaps a dysfunctional family um, and that took you to where you are today. Exactly. And, you know, it's also a good reminder. We don't always make those associations, but everybody has them. Everybody has an example of something that was a hurdle that you overcame. You may not have made a big deal about it. Maybe you thought it was easy and not worth mentioning, but it is a skill that we can call upon and need. Mm -hmm. So it's it's good to recognize your previous successes in it. Mm -hmm. All the self-awareness, right? Absolutely. So then basically with the, with the narrative method, you kind of went with that um, and you have a few terms that, you know, you kind of use um, in the narrative method. And one of them that I wanted to bring up was relational mindfulness, using that as a tool for communication. How can we go about using this relational mindfulness? So relational mindfulness builds on mindfulness and all those practices that are for the self. Relational mindfulness is for us. And I like to use the acronym YUM, you first, then us, and me last. You don't have to live your entire life every second like that. But when you're engaged in an important conversation, um, whether it's professional or personal, it's it's there's an approach that will make your communication not just more clear, not just more positive, but it will make it expansive. And the way we make our conversations expansive is we are made to feel safe. So the first thing we do is make sure, is this still a good time? Because especially if it's something very complex or sensitive, you really want both people present. And if the person says, well, I'm actually distracted, really think about thanking them because that is, that's better. But right. if you agree it's a good time, then you agree upon the mutual respect that's essential for people to feel safe enough to be open and honest and even vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you can proceed to take turns sharing briefly enough that the person can get the whole bit Right. Have him say it back. So they reflect it back. Then you say, exactly. Or you say, yes, but this thing I want to clarify. And in doing that, then you've had a chance to verify the other person gets you from your perspective. Not about agreeing. It's about understanding. Right. So from here, you may choose to have a conversation about it. Or from here, you may say, now let's table that. I'd like to hear from you. But mm-hmm. it's another another way to have actually a formal uh, sort of process of communicating because it's so important or so sensitive. And that formality, that boundary is really, really helpful because both people know I will get my turn or I'm not sure I got it right. I, I will get to clarify. Right. I, I like that. And I think though, what would you say if someone wasn't receptive to this form of communication? Then I would say, what else would work for you? Okay. Because 
I don't think there's any one thing in any one arena that's the only answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. So the first, I mean, and I would say that all the time. I mean, um, I think if you see someone who has the answer, run. Because even right. in science, the answer changes when we get more information. So right, that's very yeah, very true fact. Um, okay, I like that. Um, I feel like well, as soon as you started mentioning that it had to be um, a back and forth kind of conversation where one person hears you and then they respond, the, my my immediate thought went to again like what if someone is not receptive or what if someone says there's never a good time. Um, would you kind of say at that point, you know, maybe, you know, to f- pick your battles type of situation? Like, <laughs> I think it, it so matters on the specific. Is it your boss? Is it your spouse? Um, so let's get more into this little role play. Who is it saying that and why? Um, let's say, I mean, let's say it's your boss, because I feel like that's a, that's a different dynamic than what people yeah. would normally, obviously, normally you're going to be my boss. You be my boss. boss. Robin, you are my boss. Okay, so are you my boss and I want to initiate a conversation? Um, well, yeah, let's yeah. say like your boss approaches you. Um, okay. You know, you did. I don't like how you okay, um, orga- organize this meeting. Like this doesn't work for me. Under the table, I'm giving you the finger. But okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you okay, I really, really thank you for telling me. I appreciate knowing and I, I hope I can correct the situation. Do you have some time when we can actually sit down and talk about this? Would that be possible? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you say yes, and yeah, then we get I'm there. I'm a nice boss. <laughs> okay, all right. So now we're there. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. So I need that conversation. Yeah. So I'll I'll just be the initiator. And um, right. so is this still a good time? Yeah. For you to talk. Okay. So what I thought I could do, because I, I really want to be clear, how about if I just lay out my take on the situation and then can you just reflect it back so that I know that you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like you're already, you're doing it. So what's my problem? Yeah. Well, I guess like what if right now I were to say, oh, I can't talk okay. about it now. And I walk away and okay. You okay. Know, All right. So, I'll leave you in the lurch. Okay. So I feel really bad, right? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell my friend or whatever. Uh, I guess, you know, the details are in the relationship. Uh, My relationship to the job, uh, are things going okay? I mean, it's hard to factor in everything. But honestly, the bottom line is when you take an approach with someone um, as, as a with the goal of communicating mm-hmm. uh, and they don't seem to speak that language, whatever that language is, either get a translator or see if you have a common language um, because we are so innately creative. Mm-hmm. And if it's already your idea that you want it to be uh, especially clear and meaningful, then okay, then I'm going to be the one to expand and say, teach me something new. How can we do it your way? Right. And I feel like in more of a relationship type of sense, whether it's like with a family member, a friend or a spouse partner, that's something where maybe, you know, you'd really work, you would work harder, I feel like to try and make those communications more, more receptive to both of you. Um, If it's a job, I think a lot of people at 
I, I feel like a lot of people might just say like, this isn't worth it. If it's a really poor and like, not, not community, like not a great communication, not great communication with the boss, with your like co- co- coworkers. Um, it might be a situation where it's more likely that you'll be less invested and be okay leaving. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? There's always a reason why people act a certain way. And if you have a boss who's otherwise, you know, responsive and maybe something's going on, Mm -hmm. but we can't get to the point unless you're desperate for the job to to stay, but you kind of can't get to the point where we're apologizing for other people's bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, If you can free yourself from it, do it. Right. And in some cases you do just have to let things, let things go. Yeah. And you know what, in some cases you got to stay because life isn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You did mention culture earlier and how culture affects us without us even knowing half the time. So how can we kind of take a look at these things, but like deflect them, deflect ourselves from feeding into stereotypes and aspects of our culture and environments that are negative? So that's, a great question. And of course, we can all do it on our own in a variety of ways. We can talk to friends, we can journal, um, we can do whatever kind of personal work we do, whether it's working with a therapist or talking to yourself or just various kinds of practices, yoga, meditation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But what I think is the most effective is when you're in a group of people, because in a group of people, we're always potentially unsure where things are going to go because you are multiplying the psyches, right? By every person's relationship. So when you can get a group of people to be feel safe enough to be honest with each other and you start talking about these kinds of things, like I think we have one of our cards, one of the prompts is something like, what about, you know, what about these negative messages makes you furious? So everybody can relate to that. Everybody, you know, maybe it's like that. I'm tired of being told I don't look good enough, or I'm I'm tired of being told that I'm, you know, I'm I'm a failure. Whatever those negative messages are, mm-hmm. and everybody will feel you. And what you do, what you discover from talking in groups about these kinds of subjects is that we all walk around with this unnecessary burden of shame. That whether it comes first from the culture or gets compounded by the culture it doesn't matter we all have these things we all have these voices inside that say see you suck you didn't even know yeah you know and so we don't have to have it to that extent yeah so we disempowered it's like we pull the plug it can't work anymore when we bust it in a group Right. So you start talking with other people who might have similar experiences to you. And then you start learning, oh, I'm not alone. Um, And we're all kind of experiencing these things together, whether it be something from like a stereotype to negative self-talk. Exactly. And by the way, talk to strangers about it. That's even more mind blowing. Why would this person who I never would have met, who I I don't even like how they look, but they're telling my story. I love them. They get it, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a wonderful realization. So I actually, yesterday I was thinking that this might be kind of relevant to our conversation, but I was driving and I wasn't trying to cut this car off, but um, basically I was going to be stuck in the middle of the traffic light. Otherwise, unless I moved over to the right. So I went to the right and the person ahead of me 
like, or the person who was behind me who wanted to get ahead was like honking at me and just thought I was trying to cut him off, but I wasn't trying to, I was just simply not trying to block the entire, the entire lane. So I feel like, I don't know, like in our conversation, I feel like, um, it's something where, you know, you, you can't read the person's mind. You, I try and like deflect myself and not take it personally. Like, oh, this person might be giving me the finger and I might want to give them the finger and yell at them. And I'm like yelling like crazy, but, um, it's a situation where it's just like, you have to realize this person might be dealing with something else. They might be thinking negative thoughts. They might be going through all these different notions, or they might just really just be pissed off that I did that one thing, but it's a situation where you kind of have to take a step back and realize it's not just you. Like everyone kind of goes through these little phases where we have these negative moments. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, you know, you just said it so perfectly because <laughs> I think this is a subject that we could talk about all day long. It is yeah. so raw. It's so incredible. On one hand, you're in your car, which is like your little faux protective thing. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't give the person the finger in their face up yeah. close, right? Probably. So you, have, you have all of that. You have the insanity of thinking like in a moment, you think, oh yeah, this person woke up to wreck my day. <laughs> but here's the highest place you can take this to one of the other 12 core concepts, aside from cult of culture and relational mindfulness, this one is called radical gratitude. Here's mm-hmm. where you could go in that moment. You could go, oh my gosh, I didn't get in an accident just now. Yay! You can go crazy and celebrate. Yeah. If you didn't, it could, whatever it was, it could have been worse. You're still here. Yeah. Radical gratitude will change your life. So is radical gratitude kind of the be all and end all of being grateful? Like it's it's just a, yeah. heightened, a heightened sense of being grateful. It, it's whatever it's didn't happen. so grateful. It's stupid. And by the way, don't get me wrong. I'm not just like, uh, uh, you know, always happy and yeah. happy go lucky. But this is a wonderful way to balance out the, the stressors of life. Mm-hmm. Every time you have a close call, I mean, when you almost get hit by a car, do you even remember it later? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but you know, when you almost press send and don't, come on. <laughs> yeah, that you know? feeling is great. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But every stupid little thing. Yeah, that goes your way. If you take a moment just to be ridiculous, whatever, entertain yourself, whatever you want to do, say a certain word, mm-hmm. because that counters the we're always on guard unconsciously in our primitive brain looking for danger. Mm-hmm. So there is a part of us that's stressed out and ready for fight or flight. Yeah, this is a way to turn up this joy and wonder louder. Okay. And it, it really will affect your mood. Okay. So it's like, to, yeah, it'll calm your nervous system, make you more aware of, and just appreciative of, of what you are. Yeah, you're, exactly. You know, you're look at all the stupid shit you've done and you're yeah. still here, you know, I'm still here. Can't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> okay. I like that idea. Um, and would you say that, I mean, would you say that there are instances where you've, you, you know, radical gratitude can maybe take you, can be too much, like take, go too far. I've never had that happen, okay. but you know, I, I mean, it's not about, uh, taking a saccharine attitude about life. Mm-hmm. 
that go, for me, that goes too far in second one because it's not real. It's not connected. But this is so connected. Yeah. It, it's, you're in a state of such awareness that you appreciate a small gift or a beautiful butterfly or a thing or a phone call or just to realize we're alive. Yeah. You know, the world is so complex and so ugly in so many ways, but there is always still hope and beauty and joy and wonder, you know, just look in the ocean or in the skies or in your own potential. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's super important because there is so much, so many terrible things going on in this world. And if you, you know, even if you want to be someone who heals the world or fixes problems, stops world wars, whatever it is, there's always going to be something that you can't fix, whether it's like a smaller thing or a bigger thing. And so to look for the smaller things, just look for the smaller joys is, is basically, and to appreciate them more is basically radical gratitude. It is excellent. What a great concept. Yeah, it's a great concept. Okay. So another question then, you know, you talked about changing we have get all this like information. When we get that information, how can we, well, how can we replace old information or old biases? Um, whether it be something from our, our culture or past trauma with new beliefs. Yeah. And, and to make them more positive, like radical gratitude. Exactly. And that's um, one of the other 12 core concepts called okay. upgrading. Okay. And it's, it's as simple as realizing, hang on, why is it that every time I start a new relationship, it seems to be the same guy? What is that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That often requires a conversation with self and, you know, flipping through your history and, and seeing like, is it that I am attracting the same kind of person? Is it that I am behaving in particular ways that are attracting a certain kind of person or circumstance Or am I just seeing everything through a particular lens? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, when you look back at some of your core beliefs that you may not even ever state to yourself, they're so core. Like you may feel like, um, if I walk alone um, in uh, what other people might consider to be a perfectly safe neighborhood, uh, it's very dangerous. So maybe you got that idea because you had a traumatic experience there in the past or somebody gave you this idea, whatever it was. If you carry that forth, it's going to skew your thinking. And and oftentimes because these experiences are filed in in our minds in schemas, which is what the file cabinets are called, in symbolic ways. So you might associate other similar things. The idea is, if you find out, like, do I love everybody? And ask yourself things out loud. You may say, well, yeah, I I love women, but I I don't really trust men. Well, maybe you didn't even realize you felt that way. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is start with an invitation or take the opportunity when something happens that arouses you emotionally and ask yourself, go deeper, find out what you really think. Mm -hmm even below, underneath, deeper than what you think you think. Mm-hmm. Don't judge yourself, just find out because the information is the power and you may need to make an adjustment. And the way you make an adjustment is just to keep reinforcing it the way you would um, train actually, uh, or the way you would uh, teach a language or the way you learn anything is just 
positive reinforcement for the correct answer. In this case, it would be the truer understanding. Okay. So it's challenging yourself um, and your old beliefs and maybe, you know, through communicating with people who might know more information or, or seeking out those answers, that's going to help you once you've figured out internally, what's, what's your, your bias or what's going on inside your own mind. And I guess something, sorry. No, I was just going to say, and don't judge yourself for your biases or even your prejudices, because we're designed this way. We're designed to make knee jerk uh, reactions, which in many ways um, is, is a, a very unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. But we were we were designed not for this. <laughs> I mean, I, it's not for me to say how we were designed. I wasn't there, <laughs> but uh, it's really important to take the ability to sum things up quickly with a grain of salt. Understand that when you, in a split second, decide if a person is safe or not, which you do every time you see a person, sometimes you're coming to conclusion based on previous ideas. So. Right. Right. And that's, again, something that could have been something that someone told you or some media, some hatred in the past. Let yourself tell you, you can tell yourself and you can make an adjustment. And I promise there's always a reason why we've come to conclusions, even conclusions that are unkind. Right. Um, Probably we were treated unkindly. So, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, people might be treating you unkindly because they again, have these negative self negative, negative thoughts or negative experiences. And they, that's what we need to do is we need to grow from those and upgrade. Exactly. So when we're upgraded, we're more protected from having a knee jerk reaction to them. Mm -hmm. But if we're not aware of our feelings and how they, and the words they use are separate from me and who I am, then I might react. And then just, it builds up more and more from there and then we're in a fight. Right. And then we build the, the, we build into that schema and it just makes it even worse. Exactly. As opposed to, you know, when a kid, when a a child is acting out, yeah. Match their anger. Yeah. You know, you, you (laughs) honey, what's wrong? Yeah. I know a lot of people don't see it that way, but children act out because they're they don't know how else to express themselves and so, so do we as adults sometimes you know yeah we do and but with a child i mean that's a, a reaction that they're kind of learning about they don't have the ability to really be as self-aware as, as we should as adults right but just because we should uh we doesn't always. mean we are and or doesn't mean that we are in all instances i mean if you trip someone up enough mm-hmm. they're going to react uh, so fair enough I mean <laughs> I think we've all been in those instances but you're right it's something that we all have to work on yeah so when we're wrong we make one of these knee-jerk reactions I would think that the first thing you'd want to do is apologize if you realize that it was something wrong so I know that's something you talk about is is making an important a sincere apology to someone that we've heard and you know what's the importance of an apology well the importance of an apology um, is to own up to what you're hearing, which is that the another person feels hurt by you. 
that, that may or may not be something that you agree with. Maybe you think, I don't even know what the heck you're talking about. Maybe you think, but uh, that was nothing compared to what you did. Whatever your reasoning is, an apology is never an excuse. It's only always, I am so sorry. Beyond that, to make an apology meaningful for the person, put yourself in their position and try and imagine how it may have hurt them, even beyond what they've stated. So if I step on your toe by accident and it was just like a teeny touch, it's fine to just say, I'm so sorry. But if I jam my heel into your toe on purpose, then I really need to, to take some ownership. So right. I, beyond saying, I'm so sorry, are you okay? What can I do? Uh, you know, do we need to go to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. But what I really need to say when things calm down is, Robin, you didn't deserve that. I can't imagine how much that must have hurt. And I know you were supposed to travel that day for work. And I hope you didn't lose money. And in other words, not inundating the other person with your own stress, which is how I think it, I just managed to say it, but, but rather empathy, empathizing, empathizing with what that must have been like for them. And when you will do that sufficiently, it's because you're reading the other person's cues, mm -hmm. because they're responding yes to what you're saying, or maybe they're tearing up or whatever that is. And at some point, they may say, you know, it, it's okay, because I did X, Y, or Z, I was able to work it through. Sometimes people will actually just feel sated mm -hmm. from being understood. Ooh. To continue to invite the person, please tell me more. I really want to know. I don't want you to have to bear the story on top of having to have borne the experience. Right. And I feel like this is a lot with like emotional, emotional um, issues that you've had with someone. I like, I mean, stepping on someone's foot, obviously, I would hope that they would forgive you because most of the time we're not stepping on someone's foot on, foot on purpose. But with something that's more um, emotional, cuts deeper this is something where you really want to understand where they're coming from and not put like, like you said, not, not compare your past issues with them or in your past, um, exactly. whatever it is, you want to just make sure that you're hearing them in that moment, um, exactly. and discussing it through with them in a, in a relationally mindful way so that you're taking turns. Now you don't necessarily get a turn that's open, uh, to the apologies experience they may or may not forgive you you know um and i don't it's not for me to say if every instance should be forgiven mm -hmm. i don't know you mm -hmm. know it comes down to the person who who's basically telling you what 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 the problem was exactly right. and so you know we can't make people believe a certain thing or feel a certain way or agree with us but if someone is hurt by me, I want to see what I can do to make amends. And you also will time to time find that some people um, constantly feel victimized by things that may seem to you to be absurd. Well, that, that's not how that was at all. Mm -hmm. That's a different situation and, and would have to be dealt with in another way. Mm -hmm. But just assuming that a person's take on what happened um, was you know, genuine hurt, mm -hmm. then it's, it's quite straightforward, if not 
you know, emotionally challenging at times. Right. Like, so if it's not someone who's maybe less empathetic, like someone who, you know, would be more narcissistic. So like that boss of yours. Yeah. Like that boss of mine, who was me. Yeah. I, was, I was a great boss. Thank you. Um, and by the um, way, let me retract stepping on somebody's toe on purpose. I don't know where I got that example. So, you know, all right. Edit that. Stepping on someone's toe emotionally. Exactly. Stepping on their heart. Oh, um, like cheating. That. I don't know. Something like that, where it's something where one person might, might not take it as seriously as another. Um, I was but, cheating, but I swear I was thinking of you the whole time. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, well, to me, I would think that's such BS, but, anyway, yeah. but some, no, some, I'm kidding. Yeah. But I mean, it, there's just, there's so many different ways that people would take, um, would cons- like consider like the hierarchy of an apology based on like, what they think is important or not. Exactly. And that's, and if you're the person who is owed the apology, you're the one who decides what you need. And if you can communicate that clearly, then, you know, and, and your uh, communication is not suggesting that you're being unrealistic. Like, you know, you stepped on my toe. I want you to give me a million dollars. Um, Cause everybody knows it's worth like a thousand. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, as long as your communication is something that is authentic, that, that the person can do to, to make it up to you is it's really great. You know, I want you to talk to me about it. I want you to hear how I felt. Yeah. Okay, I can do that. And then after that, I guess a lot of it comes down to, it, it can come down to like changes in actions. So yeah. if it's something that's like a, something that a pattern someone's noticed um, and they just kind of want something to change. I mean, I don't think you can ask a person to change, but I think you can ask for behaviors to change um, because those are changeable. Um, so that's probably like the next step. And that's, and you know what? An incremental shift can be very profound. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to change, uh, you know, 180 degrees. Yeah. Um, but by the way, this is one of our other 12 core concepts, the concept of the rocket ship. Yeah. So if you imagine a rocket ship speeding into space at a zillion miles an hour and it changes its trajectory by the teeniest amount, it will wind up somewhere else. So if you have a person in your life that you keep running into the same kind of issue with, if, if you can get a small adjustment, even from both sides, it could make a big difference. So what you're saying is basically if, if there's a little bit of a, a tiff, there's something that seems to be a pattern, there is a small shift that can make a huge difference. It can. I mean, even just haven't you appreciated somebody consciously making an effort that you've observed and you know, they can't be the perfect person you wish they were, mm-hmm. but out of respect, they can show you that they want to try and, and um, get as close to that as they can. It's mm-hmm. nice. Okay, that's great. I mean, from the small thing of an apology to changing a whole relationship, it, it's what you, you can, you can't. So basically, you can do that. You can do that. Yeah. Yes. As long as, you know, as long as you're realistic that we can only be where we are. So we're, we can't go from A to Z in one fell swoop. You still have to go through the alphabet. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We all just got here to earth. And, uh, you know, even those of us who are older, you know, haven't lived through our lives yet enough 
to have the wisdom we would if we got to live 200 years. Right. So I'm advocating that. I'm, I voted for that. Yeah. I really like the rocket, sh- rocket ship analogy. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel like we do kind of a lot of the time when something happens, we just expect major changes to be made, whether relationships with the boss, like it at work. And, you know, you can either, again, like you can either decide that it's something worth working on slowly, but surely, or just if it's not something you want to do, if it's not worth it to you, then it's something I guess you can take yourself out of in some situations. Exactly. And, you know, what's so cool too, is that, you know, if it is something that you're working on with someone, it's also an invitation to pull back and realize, I wonder what it cost them in terms of focus and commitment to be able to provide what I consider to be like such a drop in the bucket. But really that person may have had to think about it sort of all the time, have a figurative string tied around their finger and put a lot of effort into what appears to be just a small shift. So when you can appreciate that, it might mean even more to you. Yeah. And that, that goes back to relational mindfulness, I feel like, and strength of communication, because like you said, like someone could think that they've done a huge, made a huge change and everything's going to be great now, but the other person, because of their past experiences or their life experiences, doesn't feel the same way. Yeah. Well, Shay, this was great. Um, Before we end, I just want to ask you if there's any closing remarks that you'd like to leave us off with that we didn't really get into. If you want to talk a bit more and wrap up a bit more about the narrative method. Um, Sure. Well, first of all, we work um, with universities and companies um, and do all kinds of projects with, with different groups. But every week we offer four free Zoom ins. Uh, at different times so that people can come from all over and do. We actually had somebody, uh, two women who wound up going into the same breakout group. Both were from Western Canada. Both wound up living in the same neighborhood and then went out for coffee. Oh, no so, way. <laughs> yeah, they were screaming. Oh. Um, anyway, so you come to these Zoom-ins. Two of them are writing groups, which are not about technical writing. It's about opening up your creative channel, not judging yourself and having a blast. So that is a very neat 60 minute hour. We do twice a week, different content both times. And then we do two conversation salons, also different content each time. So if you go to the narrativemethod.org, you can sign up for any of these free Zoom-ins. We also offer our cards, uh, which are the TNM, DIY human card decks. Oh, that's great. Uh, because awesome. you don't need a license to use your humanity. Yeah. So inside oh, the, into the bio of the, the podcast. Say it again. Oh, yeah, please do. Yeah, I will, yeah. Yeah, they're really fun. And awesome. um, it's a way to really initiate profound group conversations that are fun and profound and funny and all that good stuff. So I'll get one for my family dinner table. You have oh. one on route to already. That's amazing. I can't wait. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be bringing it up uh, as soon as I get it. All right, cool. Oh, Sherry, thank you so much again. It was really a pleasure having you and talking with you. Thank you so much, Robin. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the show. Um, this was great. I really enjoyed talking to Sherry. She is a delight. 
Um, and I'm going to play those games and I'll tell you how the card game goes when I play it with my family and then bring it to friends and then give it to them to play with their boyfriends and their friends and their girlfriends. And yeah, um, thank you for listening. Again, you can follow me at the Inglorious RBG on Instagram at Inglorious RBG podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well. Personally, it's Robin Brooke with three E's. All right, everyone. Have a great two weeks. I'll talk to you soon.